2: Hello and welcome to Homestyle Radio. My name is Chris Hamling, and tonight we look back at a very controversial match against Bournemouth. Uh, Eddie Howe's team joined 2-2 with Palace at Selhurst Park. Uh, Incidents plenty, loads to talk about and perhaps a lot to get angry about. Uh, The panel will be giving their views in just a moment but I do want to hear from you today as well. Go to holradio.net forward slash contact to find out all the ways to get in touch with the show today including the chat room holradio.net forward slash chat. Uh introduce the panel in just a moment, but here's a quick message. There are ninety nine reasons to hate Brighton.
3: Homophobia, homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proudham Palace.
2: Right, you've almost certainly heard an introduction there. <laughs> which I didn't. um. So let me introduce the panel as I promised like I would, probably. I've got Mr Patrick O'Connor. Hello. Hello. Uh I've also got Ed. I've forgotten his surname, Ed. It's um uh, Kellaway, isn't it? That is it? Good evening. Yes, he's, he's, good evening, yeah. He was just he was there somewhere. <laughs> um and we've got DR Kernes as well. Hello hello DR. Hello, Chris. Hello everyone. <laughs> Why are you using your posh voice again? Is it because I told you <laughs> someone no. criticised you for speaking like a gangster? No, it's not my posh voice. Normal oh, voice. All right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, well, what what a game that was yesterday. I think obviously, neutral supporters would have thoroughly enjoyed it. Most Palace fans absolutely livid. And we'll be talking around the reasons why um, in, in, in just a moment. And, of course, that will dominate the show. A uh, couple of little bits to pick up before we get into that. Um, first is, obviously, the fact that we've been drawn away to Brighton in the Cup. Uh, we still haven't done any real coverage of what happened up at Brighton last time. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure that we will now. I've, I think the really uh, some fantastic work been done um, by Rob Sutherland of FYP. And... Um, I think Ed Mallion as well, um, and a couple of other journalists who who really just put a lot of pressure on uh, Sussex Police to to just clarify the situation over the reports of weapons. Because you know, most of us that go home and away on a regular basis have never seen palace fans with anything like a knuckle duster or a knife. It's not what that that kind of it's not what we're about. And it was interesting to see that that essentially was a lie, um, or at least misinformation something along those lines and it'd be interesting and you know, but it doesn't seem to have had any real effect because once again, the allocation should be over 4,000, I believe has been restricted to, um, you know, to 2000 again, and a lot of fans talking about boycotting the game and it, it really is a mess. Um, I mean, just to kind of give it, give a quick summary, it's, it's pretty clear that there were some things that went on that day, uh, that shouldn't have done. You know, we've got someone on this show who was, you know, witness to members of the HF throwing, you know, bangers into their own supporters and challenging them, and people being challenged to fights and all that kind of crap, which can't go on and needs sorting out amongst the HF. But also, they were sort of uh, the villains of the piece by by design. I think it's fair to say, and you know, from what I understand about the the incidents around the gates and around the the turnstiles, was that the initial breach was someone knocking on a gate and 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 someone opening it and a bunch of people sort of almost falling through. And that was apparently the security breach. And as a result, when, when all those fans, the 150 fans, it was plus the HF, turned up with tickets in hand. You know, let's not pretend that every single one of them turned up without a ticket. There might have been a handful, but again, there's no been no real proof of that. Uh, most of them had tickets in the hand and they were all told, you don't have tickets for this game and you're not getting it. Uh, so, you know, it's it's incitement, and, we, and I think it's very interesting to see what um, will happen in the future because I don't think that that situation is going to be left left alone. Um, I think there's a lot to be done. To you've got to involve you've got to involve supporters, and I mean regular away travelling supporters in the d- discussions about how you police things because it it you know Brighton took the choice not to have any police in the ground. The police p- spent an awful lot of money trying to police the game yet you've got no one in the stadium. And that's because Brighton would have had to pay for them. And and I think Brighton should be criticised for that. Um, But, you know, it's a huge can of worms. I can't do it justice in one little speech at the start of this show. But I did want to give it a little bit of a nod and say, um, do follow it closely and do support those who are trying to get facts out there. And look, if the facts don't show Palace fans or don't show Palace as a football club in a great light, then fine, as long as they're facts. But... You know, part of me also thinks that this is great for the rivalry, you know. <laughs> it's it's another all those people who, who don't really hate sorry, who don't really hate Brighton because they haven't really experienced any of that um you know, the the real rivalry back in the day. Well now you've got your own reasons about why to hate Brighton, so um, I think it's probably good for the rivalry, but it's a shame that people uh didn't get tickets, so I'm just going to leave that there. Not going to invite any further comment from the panel. We'll we'll move swiftly on. Um, so, oh God, I usually would start the show by sort of going in a degree of a chronological order about how we look at the lineup. Then we look at each incident as it goes, and we would end the show talking about the penalty at the end. Interesting, it seems to be someone's getting a message there. Um, but what I we've got to start with. We absolutely have to. And in order to help us do that, we're going to start with a Hamblings Ramblings I won't be able to hear.
3: Chris Hambling's gone all ranty. Something's really wound him up. He's using lots of nutty words. Like bloody cripes and for pizza. It's going to get quite heated. The air is turning blue. The refs have come. The players are. And guess what? So are you. He'll whine about the tactics. The substitutes and so. But please don't get him started On Jordan much Right,
2: time for another happenings, Ramblings And um, this one today, this one's going to be A little familiar but all the more real After events in the Bournemouth game Of course, Christian Benteke Wrestling the ball from Luke Milivojevic, And uh, then Striking one of the worst penalties Since Punchin sent the ball to the moon Of course Disappointing, of course Infuriating You can see it in the manager's face after the game He's extremely angry with Ben Teke Lots of people on Twitter calling him out Lots of people saying he's indefensible and It's a team game, and you just can't do this But then, you get that extra step don't you? That step I was talking about the other week Where you go from being disappointed About an incident To being completely oblivious To the ability of a footballer Particularly a footballer who Had scored 17 goals last season Who is a fantastic forward and a footballer who, you know, a lot of people, including Roy Huston, thought was having an excellent game. One of his best games in a long, long time in a Palace shirt. But all of a sudden, it's sell him. Sell Benteke. I saw today sell Benteke and get Shane in. Sell Benteke and get Shane in. I'm going to say again. Sell Christian Benteke and replace him. Christian Benteke replace him with Shane Long. That is insane. Absolutely insane. What's going on with you? What's the matter with you people? Why does everything have to be this kind of extreme? We have to go from one huge extreme to another we're either definitely staying up or we're all gonna die in a huge ball of fire when we get relegated i can't really take it anymore why can't you have some kind of leveling off period why can't you just look at yourself and just think for a second that maybe an extreme reaction to every single instant isn't actually a healthy way to operate in the world you know and imagine imagine if you did that in your everyday life you get some bad news and you immediately go posted and kill everyone You get some good news. You immediately just go absolutely crazy and sell all your possessions and move to the Bahamas. You just can't do that. You can't live life like that. So why support a football team like it? It's absolutely maddening.
3: Chris has gone all ranty. Something's really wound him up. He's using lots of nutty words. Like bloody cripes and for say It's going to get quite heated. The air is turning blue. The ref's a cup, The players are. And guess what? So are you. He'll whine about the tactics, the substitutes and such. But please don't get him started on Jordan much.
2: Right. That was Thoroughly enjoyable, I'm sure you'll agree. Uh, but just just to run over it again, just to, just for the panel's sake. Um, obviously, I was you know you know, you know how it goes you know the drill with with ramblings ramblings. It's about getting angry about something. So, but there is a point I'm making in there. Part of that's about extreme reactions, but specifically we're talking about the reaction towards Christian Benteke and the assessment of his performance on, on one incident, which which frustrates me. However. Uh, my opinion is is just my opinion and there's there's a variety of opinions on the show. I think it's fair to say in our, our message chat, gents, I got absolutely crucified yesterday for <laughs> daring to stand up for Venteke, But let's uh let's get straight in there. Okay, so obviously the instant is Wilfred Zahar um, wins a penalty and uh, and it was it was a penalty. I think that there's a suggestion that is it Daniels, I think, gets a toe end on the ball. Uh, yeah. But if he does, it's after he's made contact with with Wilfrid Zaha, and and Eddie's house in the comment Eddie House comments in the press afterwards were pathetic, uh, so very very disappointing to to see him highlight, should we say, the darker arts in the game of, of um, when his side are one of the most practiced teams in those darker arts, uh, as we'll talk about when we get to their first goal. But let's let's get straight into talking about Ben Zeki. So he's taken the ball off of Lukaku, who's already scored one penalty. You know, no one's seems to be confident about him taking it he's already been confident enough to take the ball off, off of another player but as he strikes up all of a sudden he's way too casual and all of you would have seen Ben Teke good, good noise there all of you would have, would have seen Ben Teke miss probably at least one penalty if not more he's missed four for Palace um, and you kind of knew it was going to happen so I had that feeling in my stomach straight away didn't understand why he was doing it. I looked at Luca, and he had his hands on his hips and he was kind of slightly bent over for maybe he was too tired and didn't want to take it because he'd obviously already taken one and the keeper might get a uh, sort of have, have a clue as to where he was going to go. But as it turns out, it's been pretty clear the only person who wanted Christian Benteke to take that penalty was him. He took it. He was way too casual with it, way too reticent with it, and it was saved follow-up gone, and Palace, from a position of Luke winning the game 3-2, end up with a point that feels like a defeat. So I want to get reaction from all of you gents, state your points as clearly as you can, and then we'll get into some of the many, many uh, tweets we've had over the last uh, 24 hours or so regarding this and and get into some debate, I think. So, Patrick, I'm going to start with you, mate.
4: So as soon as it happened, I tweeted, why Christian? Because I don't know why he decided to take the kick. The problem I have with him and penalty kicks is that he's got the same stupid way of taking it. He has this little stutter step, and the commentator says he waits for the keeper to commit, then he'll kick the ball. And to be honest with you, that's the worst way to take a penalty kick. You've got to put your foot right through it. You know, the way Jedi takes one, the way Luka takes a penalty kick. That's how you take a penalty kick. So I knew, like you, Chris, he's going to miss a penalty kick. So that's the first thing. Secondly, I don't know why anybody doesn't come up to him and say, what are you doing, mate? We've got to no lose on our team, Chris. I don't know what. I think they and said said it might have been Sprodington was captain, but where was Dan? Anybody, Tompkins, anybody, just say to him, listen, even Zar, you listen, you can't take the penalty. It's got to be Luka. Luka, Luka took a great penalty the first time he took. All of the penalties he's taken so far have been great penalty kicks. Yeah, 6 out of 6. He's never missed.
2: <laughs> you know, he's never missed for us. It's, it's unbelievable uh, that that decision would be made. But you talk about the leaders. Um you know and Luca's one of those who I, I expect to be a leader. I'd love him to be the captain of the club. I have to say I think he's got all the, the attributes you need to be that. but you know he, he needs backing up by the rest of the players around him. Dio, I'm going to come to you next. your, your reaction when Benteke stood up stood up, there, stood up to take that penalty. Yeah, it was really annoying because
0: um, we've had Luca take penalties for a reason as our last penalty taker, which was Christian Benteke, couldn't score them and Lucas scored early on I understand why Benteke wanted to take it but it was a bit too short, selfish from him to actually put himself forward I know he wants a goal but it was not the right time Luca already scored a penalty so it would have been it, he should have taken it because he's confident and we have scored all of our penalties Luca. so it was annoying and it's another thing that you said Chris why didn't any of the other players step up it, we saw the reactions after it but no one actually went and got the ball and said, look, Christian, you're not taking it. They might have said, look, Christian, don't take it. But no one actually physically went and said, look, Christian, I'm sorry, Luke is going to take it. And that's the disappointing part from the players. But yeah, I was really annoyed that Benteke ignored the manager and possibly his teammates as well.
2: Well, Ed, I want to get you to, to, to jump straight in there and add your view, because there's a point in there that DR made around... Um... Well, you know, there's a lot of points to do I made in there, but one of them was around the, the idea that it's a, it was a selfish act, and I definitely want to get to talk about talk about the sort of team-slash-ego aspect that many people have raised, but your views, first of all.
1: I was, I mean, I don't remember being as angry leaving a football match as I was yesterday. I've been more disappointed at losing playoff finals, the cup final, but actual, which is pure angry, leaving yesterday. i just... Could not believe that that had happened. We worked so hard in the second half, absolutely battered him. Just, it would, just wouldn't go in for us. We' get that opportunity finally, maybe a, you know a little bit of a rubber the green in terms of a decision because we've had quite a few go against us, and then to just see I knew he wasn't going to score. I just knew he wasn't going to score. He doesn't take a good penalty, and why I mean you've got Luca who's put one away like he pretty emphatically in the first half. Has never missed a penalty for us. Like Patrick said, you you've got to look for your like captain and your senior senior players. If there's a bit of a dispute, I've got to intervene and say, "No, nah, Lucas, our penalty taker, he takes it." Yeah, uh, yeah. I can see why Lucas given it up because when you watch it back on the highlights, I thought, "Oh, Lucas, given it up a bit easy there." But from Lucas' point of view, if Ben Tekker comes over and says he wants it, if Luca then argues with him, "I want to take it," I want, he then like that puts. But what Benteke did was. If Luca went on to take it was put a load of pressure on more pressure on Luca. Yeah. Because he's then if Luca had taken it, Luca stood over it thinking, Oh, like if I miss this, not only is it last minute, everything else, he's gonna be on my case because he was saying he wanted it. So yeah, but that's, that's why he, he gives it up relatively easy. And I I, he's just, I think he is selfish. I think he's putting his own he knows he's on his he's never gone 12 games, he wants a goal to get himself ticking again. Which is fine if you're two or three nil up. Yeah. Then you let your striker take the penalty, get him to break his duck, and it helps us for the. You know, hopefully he kicks on for the rest of the season and scores a few goals. But not at two all in the 93rd minute when you're desperate for a win at home. It's just madness that he's took it.
2: Yeah, and, and there's some really good points you've made there. Obviously, that the fact that. <sighs> Even, even if Luca holds on to the ball. But there's, you know, I actually made this point in, for, for a different reason earlier on today when I was talking to someone else about it. But, you know, there's no guarantee Luca goes on and scores the second penalty even if Benteke doesn't intervene, right? So let, let's get that, you know, the, you'd say the chances are higher than if, than if Christian Benteke takes it based on statistics alone. But, you know, ir- irrespective of that, you, you make a really good point that once Benteke has made that decision to even ask for the ball or even try to get the ball he's immediately put luca in that position where you know it's a, it completely changes the whole the whole situation it changes the entire emotion it changes the entire thought process around taking a penalty and that that's why it's so wrong that really is why it's so wrong um we've briefly lost patrick I was going to bring him back in on this but i want to talk a little bit about the self, the, the selfish thing and the ego thing well I totally get it. Ed, you've made a good point as to why it is selfish and why it is egocentric. But there is another side to it. And this is where, you know, DLU said that you understand why he's, why he's taking it. And you know, I'm going to go a little further on that. You know, I I can, I could don't necessarily hate I hate that he did it. That's a really difficult thing to say in these circumstances, because I know I'll probably get a stick for it. But when I look at strikers and I look at our inability to finish, and I suppose you could argue is in that at the moment, or well, I don't think he's had anywhere near the same clear-cut chances as other people have had in the last few weeks. But I want a striker who is desperate to put the ball in the back of the net. I want a striker who does put himself above others just because he wants goals. Because if you look up the other end, that's what Bournemouth had in Defoe. does nothing, nothing. Apart from put the ball in the back of the net, and immediately people are thinking, "Well, that's a striker. That's what he does. That that is the point. That is the type of striker he is." And I, you know, I praise to all day. I wish we had him in our team. I really do. Even even now, but he does nothing else. Throughout the entire game, he does absolutely nothing else. His build-up play is not great. He occasionally gets involved, you know, but he is just looking for that opportunity to put the ball in the net and not, not do an awful lot else. You know, if you look at Benteke's performance yesterday, the really upsetting thing is it was a performance of a player getting back to some form, a player actually having a really good impact on the game. Drop He dropped deep at one stage and ran past four players. He was looking for the ball all the time. He was linking up brilliantly with Wilf, dropping off, linking with Townsend, linking with the midfield, you know, setting people up, he made a couple of headers back across the area from long balls, which were absolutely perfect if he had anyone with striking instincts alongside him. So it was actually gearing up to be his best game in such a long while. And I can see totally that crowning that off with a goal would, and, and the winning goal to make it 3-2, to lift us out of the relegation zone, all these things, I can see it's almost coming together perfectly in his head I I find it hard to attack someone for that other than exactly the point you've been making which is not when you're 2-2 not when it's the last kick of the game and not when puts you put your bottom of the league by doing it and and you know and, and the damage to the team has got to be huge on that
1: Ed I've said a lot there yeah, but crowning off is if you, that's, you're saying that's the way he's thinking of have a good game crown off my performance that's him thinking of himself again which is what I'm saying about it being selfish but I know you say, are. Oh, I want my striker to want the ball and get the, want him to score and be a, have that, that mindset as a striker. But, OK, we'll take a proper <laughs> penalty then. <laughs> yeah. Not trot up to the yeah, ball and yeah. roll it at the goalie. <laughs> like an under-13s goalie would have saved that if he went the right way. Yeah, if it's look- a 92nd minute, take Wayne Rooney's penalty today. Take a penalty like that. Just leather it down the middle. <laughs> not the, it's, little, it's not work, like if you, that's your tactic on taking penalties, it hasn't worked the last two times you've done it. Maybe try something else. Yeah. Just trot up to the ball. Because with that, the way that penalty works, it's very good if you're Lionel Messi and you can do it. But if you're not and you can't, you just look like an idiot. Yeah, and he did. The keeper, he's trying to wait for the keeper to go. But if the keeper holds his nerve and doesn't go early, eventually you get to the ball. And you've got to make a decision, and you haven't got a great deal of momentum, and you've got to pick a corner.
2: Yeah, obviously yeah. I, we were we were, we were talking about that uh, before we went on air, and I was saying similar. That's the wor- It's the worst thing to do, isn't it? To if you're gonna if you're gonna be so so aggressive in your desire to take the penalty, why is that aggression just seeped to, and ebbed away by the time you actually go to take it? Because he's basically he's lost. He's either he's either so he's either arrogant, or. <laughs> or he's just lost his bottle completely. Um, Producer Sam is very upset that you swore, by the way. Can you just, I think you need to apologise to Sam.
1: Nothing. Not even <laughs> <worried>. No, <laughs> no apology.
0: Ed is oh, a real sandwich isn't
1: he? <laughs> I've just about calmed down, and now you're making me talk about it again. It's like flashbacks. <laughs> uh,
2: Dio, um obviously the way he takes the penalty there, Dio, is, is terrible. Can, yeah. you know? Let me ask you a question. If he scores that, you're still annoyed at
0: him. No we, no. we wouldn't even be talking about Benteke taking the penalty. Trust me. Like, I know people, some people are saying that they will, but I don't think if he scored that, we wouldn't be talking about that. But it's like, why did it take in the first place? I don't care if he scored, if he didn't score. We have a penalty take for a reason. He, he has the same run-up and he'd done this before and he doesn't change it. If something doesn't work, he has to change it. He does the same run-up and it's just too easy for the goalkeeper and it's, it's so annoying to see. Change your style if it doesn't work. But yeah, if, if, he, if he did score, um, I don't think we'll have this discussion and we'll probably say Benteke is man of the match because he had a really good game. He actually contributed to all of our goals, to, to the two penalties and also giving the ball to Kabay to yeah. assist Scott Dan. Well,
2: that, that to me again was a really key moment in the game for the second goal. Um, was Benteke's cool head and ability to pick out the right pass when uh, when under pressure. And like I say, that's the real shame of all of this for me, is it really does overshadow it. We've had a couple of tweets in, on the stuff that we're talking about. and One of the things was to, with reference to something Nick Gillard said on Twitter, damn it, Nick, who it was it was, it was saying that Benteke deserved to be booed off the pitch. Uh, part-time James has said, not during the game, no one wants to see that. Uh, and, and i actually you know i've got really strong views about people booing our own players off the pitch uh, i but i get it it's very difficult to control your anger for you know for, for an incident like that you're not talking about well you know it, it it's 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 the talking point of the game isn't it it's, and everyone that's seen the game has said the same thing how ridiculous it was whether they're palace fans or not so it's um you know, very, very interesting Canock uh, Hawk 1 has said uh, It's the most selfish thing ever witnessed at Selhurst If Sacco was on the pitch Does that happen? Well, let's ask that Question of potentially the returning Mr. Patrick O'Gonner, Because um, you got cut off mid-rant, I believe um, did did I? What did you hear? Anything good? We, we, yeah, some of it was good. It actually it was actually a natural point where it looked like you just finished, but I think it was a bit abrupt for you. So I paused for a couple of seconds. I thought, oh, he's made his point. All right, we'll move on. Yep. But uh, but if uh, if if, ba- if Sako, well, <laughs> <laughs> he, well, he wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I think he I think he was anyway. But well, uh, if if Mamasako is on the pitch and he's a captain, do you think he lets that happen?
4: I would hope not, but they're, they are kind of buddy-buddy. If you watch all these cbfc.co.uk videos, they're always doing these, these four different things on there. So, I don't know, but I, part of my rant was that that's my biggest problem. We have no leaders on our team. I mean, we've got Dan Speroni, Tompkins, Luca himself. Somebody's got a tell him you can't do that. So, I would hope that with sack on the pitch, it wouldn't happen, but I don't have any hope for that. But I want to get back to what Ed said. I'm, I'm with Ed on that. I heard it. I was listening to a bit of the show when I was kind of going kind to of reboot. Was You've got to put your foot through that ball on that penalty kick. That penalty kick, that, that type of penalty kick is so rubbish to to be embarrassing to try that. I don't know why he keeps doing that. And in fact, he's missed, I think, four of five or whatever it is, two out of five, whatever it is. It's embarrassing. So, again, I'm, I'm over it as far as being mad at him, but at the moment when it happened, I was it, it was it was so ridiculous, and I just don't understand why he continued to use that same type of a penalty kick when, when we all know that he's not going to score. That I think even he knows that. But again, I know what you're saying, Chris. As far as he wanted to score, but again, it was selfish. I'm over it, but that really should not have happened.
2: I I get do get stuck on the fact that if he does if he if he tucks that away and we get he gets scoring again as a result of that little boost in confidence. Yep. And everything brings together. I, I, do you know what I mean? I could see the picture in his head, and I don't know if you if you were saying that a bit as well earlier, dear. You could see that whole picture comes together all of a sudden. If we've got a we've got Christian Benteke back fully fit and scoring goals, you know, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a lot quicker and a lot easier for us to march up that table, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is.
2: It is. But that's what I don't. He had a good game, so I
0: could see where his confidence is coming from, but. He really did have guts to actually take the ball and in, in the first place from Luca and say, "Look, I want to take it um, in a next minute." And he used the same style over and over again. And Chris, um, I don't know if we're going to go onto it, but I really want to talk about this leadership and captain issue because I was also I was very disappointed that Jules actually got captaincy when Kabay went off. Um, but I don't know if we're going to go into that.
2: Go, but, go, go! On. let's let's watch your views on that.
0: Yeah, uh, look, on paper, Julian Speroni, yes, he should be captain. But when on a pitch, um, when we're playing as a Premier League game as well, it's not practical. Practically, it doesn't work because for free kicks, uh, for decisions that you want to talk to referees about, Jules Jules is not going to come out and he didn't come out to speak to the ref because he can't come out. So it was pointless of him being captain, especially when we have someone like Scott Dan. I know he's been criticised before. For being not uh, for not being vocal enough, but we've had Luca there. I, w- I would like I would have liked to see Luca become captain. So I was disappointed in that aspect that Jules was captain because it doesn't help us at all on a pitch. I know captains nowadays are not captains as they were before, but it doesn't. What was the point of Jules being
2: captain? I, I get what you're saying, and you know certainly as you're you're right. Jules isn't going to sprint all the way up the end of the pitch to have a go at Penteke for taking the penalty, is he? Is, you know, even if he is, he's probably by the time he gets there, it's going to be it's going to penalty going to have been taken. But you know, and, and it's a similar position I guess for the you know for Roy Hodgson on the sidelines. You know, he's explained how his coaching staff were livid and were trying to get a message across to to give it to Luca and all this kind of stuff, and it shows you what, what a mess it is and how if you basically just respect that chain of command and that chain of command is the manager decides who takes the penalties, you know, that's the end of it. You don't change it in the middle of a game. Now, we've seen plenty of times in the past where it has changed in the game. And sometimes it's because, as Ed was alluded to earlier on, you know, you're two or three up in the game, someone's on a hat trick, something like that. Or, you know, maybe someone's got a little bit of it, carrying a little bit of an injury and it's not able to actually take it. Or, you know, maybe as, as could have been the case if we didn't know otherwise now, it could have been that Luca didn't want to take the, a, a second penalty because it was it would have been tougher for him to place it away from the keeper because well you know Begovic uh, has actually gone the right way for Luca's penalty he's just hit it so well uh, that, that he's never going to get there so that could have been the case but we now know it absolutely wasn't the case it was all about Christian Benteke's desire to score a goal and. And absolutely right. There should be people in our team—not not just one person because he happens to be wearing an armband—but multiple people who step up to the plate and tell Christian bits okay, just how it is that you don't—you don't decide that, Christian. It doesn't matter how much you need a goal. We are two-two with Bournemouth. This is the last kick of the game. We are desperate for points, or we're bottom of the league. You do not put yourself ahead of the team. Uh, Ed, you first. then, Patrick.
1: Yeah, just on the what Dio was saying about jewels being kept in, I don't think, it shouldn't matter who's wearing a little armband around there. Can you still but, hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But It shouldn't but it matter does, who's, though. like, it you're not telling me Scott Dan stood there thinking, oh, I should probably intervene here, but I'm not wearing the armband, so I'll keep quiet. No, no, no. no chance, no. is he? I'm like, not they've, talk- got a, they've got a, him, to, like, Tompkins, if you watch the footage back, Tompkins is, like, furious, but he needs to go and intervene and speak to him. It, like, it,
0: If you're talking about the penalty decision, I don't think... It, to be fair, and I'm not even too sure Saka would have, because Ben Tekker just had in his mind, he didn't listen to the management team. If he's not going to listen to the management team and his teammates, he wouldn't listen to the captain. But I'm talking about in general, in that game, we had so many fouls, so many dodgy stuff going on, and we didn't have a captain out there to speak to the referee. And the referee... We'll, be, we'll call captains. We'd be like, look, calm down. Tell him. We we'll speak to the captains. But we didn't have anyone. It was pointless of having Jules as a captain because not forget about the penalty. But during the game, we just we didn't have anyone out there that the referee could speak to that we could actually have a word and be like, look, ref, this is getting annoying now. Can you sort this out? We had no one. That's the annoying part about the captaincy. Why would Jules
2: given captain? Uh, captaincy? No, it's get, not I, practical. I get I get your point definitely, Dr. And obviously. You know, it is slightly taken us away from the Benteke debate, and I think it's you know, yeah, it's a good it's a good point. And um, but obviously, we, we, we all we all well, usually, we will have an outfield captain, but um, uh, well, it's too late to worry about that now.
4: But uh, but sorry, Patrick, you want to make another point? Yeah, um, the KMC isn't an, is an issue, but do you know what I'd like to see yesterday to show me leadership if Luca had said to um, um, Benteke, I'm taking this pony kick to me? That shows me he's a potential leader. I don't know why. Uh, he would shrink away and let Benteke do that to him because we all know he's the penalty t- taker. So, for me to show leadership yesterday, Luca could easily just said to him, I'm not, You're not taking the penalty, I'm taking it, and just kick the ball from him because I think, I'm pretty sure Luca placed the ball and Benteke just stood over the ball. I don't think Benteke placed the ball. So, Luca could easily just said, I'm taking the kick. And I'm sure if he had done that, plenty of players around him, Zaha, top would have said, Yeah, Luca take the kick, as opposed to just letting Benteke take it away from him. So, for me, Luca could have showed leadership yesterday and he, didn't, and, he didn't, and he didn't do it. So, for me, um, that's what one of the issues was for me, as, as far as you know, that penalty kick and leadership issue there, not not who the captain was.
2: Yeah, I, I get that, but at the same time, I have a lot of sympathy for Luca in that situation because, uh, as Ed said earlier on, it's it's kind of it's too late by the point by that point, by the time Seke has decided, you know what, I'm going to have this, and, and no one's going to convince me otherwise. You know, as 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 Ed said, if Luca takes says no chance, I'm taking it. It's a totally different type of pressure on Luca, then. Agrees, and uh, that's why it's so that's why it's so out of order and so unfair. But uh, just pick up a little conversation going on on Twitter, and then uh, we'll go off to DR for some Facebook comments. Um, Jedi or Jed underscore die uh, was saying, "Did I hear the, the saying Ben Teke was brave to take the penalty? Think you meant greedy?" Um, on that, <laughs> on, on that, I, I agree. I do agree. It is it, it, potentially. Um, having said that, you know, it's... If it was his penalty... It, well, it's, it, there is a, it's a gutsy move. It's a gutsy move until he then steps up and strokes it calmly into the keeper's arms. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Then the, <laughs> the whole the whole bravery, the whole gutsy thing has gone out <laughs> the window that, because yeah. it, then it be, then it becomes excessively arrogant, as we've discussed. Uh, do you have some Facebook comments and then I'll uh, delve into some more contact.
0: Uh, yeah, um, on Facebook about the uh, captaincy and um, I think the players going up to Penteke and stopping him. Uh, John said, Sako and Penteke have a close friendship. So I think Saka would have said something and had a stern word um, with captaincy. Daniel Poku, I said Luca should have uh, been given the captaincy. Um, so I think he doesn't. I think he doesn't want jewels as well. Uh, yeah, um, that's it about the captaincy. <laughs>
2: Thanks mate. I don't, I don't, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's it.
0: Because I think Facebook, I'm not too sure of his life still. That's why I'm a bit suspicious. Um,
2: it, yeah. it, it, it goes in and out doesn't it facebook it's a bit uh, a bit of a mystery about how long we make we keep it live for <laughs> if it does drop out just go to holradio.net uh and you'll see a listen live button there and just jump on that because it's a lot more reliable uh, it's nothing to do with us it's to do with the the app that facebook uses it's a little bit sporadic but we'll be keeping an eye on comments as we go anyway if we, as, as much as we can uh, there was loads there's loads of tweets been coming in absolutely tons of them and things but um Oh, good. My phone's just to confirm your identity before I can look at some more. Right, so uh, I've go back to some, some past tweets before I do, do anything else. Someone was on there saying, "I want to get um, get your views on this." Ed. can we swap question Ben for Dwight Gale? They said,
1: "Why would you want to?" Like, we've, had, <laughs> we've had we've had we've had Dwight Gale in the unless I missed loads of goals that he scored for us then. If we're going to play one, person, one guy up front, then Dwight Gale doesn't work as a solo Premier League striker up top. He's not, bang, he's not banging in goals for Newcastle every week, is he?
2: Uh, I, I, I'm, so. sure, I'm sure that tweet was entirely to try and make my blood pressure go up.
1: Um,
2: <laughs> I'm fairly certain. But yeah, you know, there we go. Um, one thing I did pick up on uh, was that Banteco was seen leaving the ground very, very early after the game. Um, so, Patrick, it looks like Roy Hodgson sent him home pretty quick. And some pretty strong comments after the game as well. How did you feel Roy dealt with it?
4: I guess as any manager probably would. He, he was furious in the post-match, you could tell by his comments. Um, he wanted to make it very clear that um, he did not condone what uh, Christian had done. Um, had If he left early, I can't say I could blame him. I mean, who want to face your, your teammates after what you just did. Um, so... I, I can't blame Hodgson for how he dealt with it after. He was, he was very livid. I even mean, even the, the post match he even went straight to say, listen, I'll ask you two questions about all the questions I had with some fan after and also with what Benteke taking the penalty should have taken it. So I get where Hodgson's coming from. What I don't want to see him do, it, honestly, is drop him. To be honest with you. I don't think that's going to solve anything. Especially as uh, Ed just said, we don't really have a, we don't have a striker who we can actually replace him with. But if he was to drop him, I'd understand it. But I hate to see him do that. I don't think it does anything for, for his confidence and or for the team. But if he does it on Tuesday, I can understand why he'd do that. But again, I get what Hudson was coming from after, after the match.
2: Well, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was strong comments. And, and obviously, like you say, you don't want to see it too often and you don't want to see him drop. But, but when you talk about the fact that you don't want to see him dropped, quite a lot of fans are, are calling for to be sold in January. You know, as, as a result of this. You know, what what so, do you think of that?
4: Go on. Yeah, can I address that? I mean, listen, you and I have spoken about Benteke so much on this show. And I've always got a feeling just, most fans just don't like him. I don't know what it is about. They, they call him lazy. I don't even know what that even means. He's produced for us in the last year. This season he has not scored. I get that. But if you people go back and look at his record last year, I think he scored what 15 league goals for us last year. And I've been through this already. I can name every single goal we scored last year. Chris, I think all but one was in a game, we either one or we got a point in, we got a draw. So, or every one of his goals last year were very important to us. So I get, I don't, I don't get why people don't like him. I, I just don't understand it. For me, he, he, he produced last year. This year he had an injury, missed half of the season, of our season so far. Um, he doesn't run around like Cameron Jerome. I get that. That's not what he does. I mean, every strike is different. Someone mentioned about Dwight Gale. Dwight Gale is a, is a goal poacher, but he doesn't suit our system. I'm not sure that Benteke does either. But yesterday, again, if you go back, Benteke created both of our goals yesterday. He flicked on the header that Zaha ran onto and got a penalty for. And he was the one that played the ball out wide to Kabai, who crossed it for the Dan goal. So he had a good game yesterday. So, but I just don't think our fans like him. majority of our fans like it, And yes, there was just a good reason now to just hate him. You know, you go from dislike to hate, like, in, in about 30 seconds. And I think people have to get over it, but they won't. I don't know. Again, I, I don't know what it is about it. I like him as a player. I was disappointed what he did yesterday. Very disappointed. Not happy at all. But I just think our fans just didn't like him when he first got here. And now they have a reason to really dislike him. And I just don't really understand it. If you look at how he, how he plays, what he's done, not this season, obviously, but, you know, last season especially, without him, we go down. So, and to sell him, we're not going to get our money back. We're not going to get 30 million pounds for him now. So sell him for who? We need to add to our strike force, not, not not take one away. So I don't understand the attitude to sell him for Gale or for whomever. It doesn't make any sense to me. But I get the vitriol, but it has to end at some point.
2: Yeah, listen, it's, it's a mistake. You know, a guy has made a mistake. E-
4: exactly. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm
2: just bewildered at the volume of people who are just... Not only... It's not just the fact that they're, like, they're angry. It's the fact that they're just writing off a player just, with talent, yeah. You know what I mean? It, 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 as you say, it's like, there's a lot of people who just don't seem to have liked him because he's just not the, maybe he's not the player they thought he was, or maybe, you know, just maybe he's just not the type of player that they're ever going to like. But,
4: well, you, know you know what, w- Chris, I just had a thought just now, sorry to cut you off, but remember yeah. the penalty kick he won against us, against Liverpool, and he scored again, he beat us in the last minute of the game. Yeah, Maybe maybe that's it. And I just thought about it yeah. now, that could be it, and I would understand it if it was that. But I don't think it's just that. I think it's more
2: than that. No, I read so many people saying, that oh, he doesn't try. He's not good exactly. enough. It, you know, people calling him a donkey. And it's like, for God's sake, you know, you could not, I suppose you could think he's not worth that much money. Right. But when you look at what he did last season <laughs> in a struggling team, and you look at his career, you look at everything he's done, and you think the, the amount of, you know, this season has been, a, has been a real disaster for him. But it's been no, pretty no. clear it's been blighted by injury. It's pretty clear he was injured before before he had that layoff. And it's been pretty clear he's been trying to get back to form. You looked at him yesterday, we talked about it last week. I said he's two, three games away from being back to full fitness. He was so much stronger and fitter last you know, in, in, in that Bournemouth game than he had been for you know, since last season. But all of a sudden we you know, we've got people saying, Yeah, oh, get rid, get rid, he's not a team player, get rid it's like, Well hold on, he's he's made a mistake, you know. And why don't we let the team and, and the management deal with that? Because they'll make that call. they'll make that call if they think he's not good enough you know then then, then they'll have sold him anyway but if they think that action is unforgivable then you know then it'll be gone. but when you look at the fact that we play johan Kabay every week and he did exactly the same thing i would suggest that, that there's a team there that will forgive him you know and will and' we'll help him you know help him make that mistake and turn it and turn it into a positive and channel that into something good dear sorry you've been waiting a while
0: yeah, going back on Patrick's point about people not liking Benteke, I think one of the reasons for that is that the expectations of Benteke is very high due to due to what we're going for thirty million. That's a very high money, even though nowadays um, it's actually not in reality. I think that's why people are uh, demand more from. Me. It's not. It's not. We don't like Benteke. I don't think people just outright say oh I don't like Ben Take for no reason it's just I don't like Benteke because we're going for 30 million and this season to be fair he hasn't done much yes he's been injured but people are just frustrated because we haven't we have we have no strikers except for Benteke. Conor Wickham's out and of course Benteke has that extra pr- pressure on him now just banging goals but he's not banging in goals and it's just it's just the expectations. He's not meeting the expectation of the fans. And that's why people are getting onto Penteke. It's not for no reason. It's just, he's not scoring enough goals.
2: Sorry, I was muted there. You're right. He is, he isn't scoring enough goals, but you know, there, there's, I say, I still maintain there's a reason for that, but um, no, we got, we got stuff to do in January. We had a lot of, uh, tweets coming in around the sort of business we needed to do in January anyway uh, lots of people saying that we need a new goalkeeper we need a new striker um, you know and, I, and I'm pretty sure well I, I know that the club are, are, are working away diligently on both those positions as well as as well as another so it's it's very good um, to know that that's coming in the future but until we get there we're going to need Benteke so whether you're one of those sitting at home who accepts that it was a mistake and that you know you're, you're angry you're gutted but at the same time it's you know you want to put draw a line under it move on and let's let's do the only thing that we can do put it right whether you might be one of those or whether you're one of those who's just who wants to blame and wants revenge and wants recrimination and wants Ben Teke dropped and all that kind of stuff well then you know again there's not an awful lot we could do until we change the squad uh, in January so let's excuse me there's an awful lot going on there uh, around around Benteke. I think, Ed, you just want to get one more last point across and then we'll move on to some of the
1: game incidents. Uh, Yeah, just um, Benteke for the people saying, I mean, as criminal as yesterday was, Benteke is still a very good centre forward. He had a decent game yesterday up until that point. And for people saying, I'll sell him and get someone, we're bottom of the Premier League and it's nearly Christmas. If you honestly think we were going to be able to sign a striker better than Christian Benteke that will come to us in the January transfer window, then you're in cuckoo land because it's not going to happen. So we need to obviously get behind Benteke and I you know, hope that he does break the scoring duck and then the goals will start to come. Um, there's a couple of bits in the chat room as well just on Benteke quickly. Yeah, go for it. Before we move on, um, Palace Forever said uh, the penalty was taken, how our mascot would take one at half-time with a seven-year-old in goal, <laughs> um, which I enjoyed. Uh School Eagles said uh, if he scored, he would have been a hero, and everyone would say uh, what balls he had to take it. Um, and King B says if Benteco can make up for it in the next few games and keep us up, then he's willing to forgive him.
2: Yeah, there's a couple of tweets that come in before I get to Patrick. cannot uh, kind of call one. It's more than just a mistake for... for, 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 for. Uh, at East London Eagles, seriously, it's a mistake that could easily cost us relegation. It is a mistake, but within the context, it's a very, very serious mistake. It's about judgment. If in doubt, the team always wins, not the individual. Uh, Patrick, I'll let you jump in on that.
4: Actually, that's what I wanted to talk about. I, I understand that, but it is still December. We are still three points off of getting out of relegation zone. To say cost us relegation, I mean, that's a little bit over the top, even for me. I mean. I get it, we could go into a huge spiral now because maybe the, the players fall out with each other and but they're gonna score another goal the rest of the season. But to say it could cause relegation, can we wait hold off on that until it's like, you know, March, April? Because that's a little bit again, that's that's my perfect example of people going over the top of Ben Teke. The guy makes a makes a mistake, yeah. It, it was a mistake. It was a bad. it was a bad mistake. But to say it could cause relegation now in December. I'm not g I am not I can not go for that. I'm just sorry, and that's what that's my example of people going over the top for me. No, I mean,
2: and yes. I and I agree, and I was gonna make the point. Well you know, you're you're looking at that from the from the full context. Like I get what you're saying, but right. you the could points, also exactly. you could you could also say that Kevin Friend's decision to ignore the clear foul on <laughs> uh, on Jeff Schlup for the first goal when he's trying to track Jermaine Defoe's run is responsible for us getting relegated. If, if you're going to say that, Antetokounmpo's decision is, you know,
1: you go, ass diving and or, yeah, two point seven. Exactly. Yeah,
2: the fact is, if we go down, it will be because of a series of mistakes or poor decisions over an entire season. So I I don't get that. That, That's hyperbole. I get why you're saying it, but it's still, it still doesn't mean I have to agree. And and I think it's right. Last bit, doctor I've got to move us on.
0: Yeah. Um, quickly about the striker situation everyone wants a new striker in January but if we're in the situation and we're still in a relegation zone we have to think about what striker actually wants to come to
1: us
0: (laughs) we need a decent we need a decent striker and I doubt any decent strikers will come to us if we don't pay high wages because we're not a club that's uh, it's not really we're not a club that's appealing for a decent striker right now we're not targeting the top half of the table we're a club that's trying to stay up so it, there's that situation that no one really thinks about. It's easy easy to say let's get a striker, but if we're going to get a striker, it's going to be either high wages or it's going to be bang average. That, there's that dilemma as well.
2: Well, I know what you mean, but I, w- I would say the the overseas market you're most you're more likely to be able to get a player of decent talent who will take that who will take that gamble just to get over into the Premier League, even if it is for half a season. I think, but we're still, like I think it's it's relevant to point out. That you're not going to get someone who's going to come in and be, as Ed was saying, be better than Benteke. That, that, that's certainly true. Loads more tweets just coming in, but I've got, I've got to, uh, got to move this. So very, very quickly. I will address the one: it's, has the Parish spat been spoken about yesterday? Interested to hear what happens if he's going to find himself a week's wages. Um, See, <laughs> Steve Parrish has tweeted an apology about that yesterday. Apparently, someone shouted over to him. I uh, bet you we should brought another striker or something along those lines directly after the game. And I think we were all, we were all emotional and angry directly after the game. <laughs> Steve's reacted I think it's a shame he, he apologized. Really, I think I think an in, uh, a heated exchange of views is is all right. I don't think just because he's chairman of a football club, he should be should have to exempt himself from from emotionally reacting to stuff. But I guess you know, there we go. That's, that's one of those things, and it you know if you. I don't know anyone who's ever encountered me after a game where we've, we've lost, particularly if you ever if you encountered me after we lost in the FA Cup final, I'd have had a fair few things to say to you if you were a bit aggressive towards me as well. So you know, I think that's just a human being doing a,
1: doing human stuff, and I don't I don't put too much importance on it myself. Dude. But there. Um, here we go. go I was uh, very angry yesterday, and I spent and you spent twenty quid on food and drink, and seven pound on the train. So I <laughs> exactly, yeah. can't imagine how he is paying uh, 100 grand a week to <laughs> exactly <Grinzeca>.
4: <laughs> <laughs> great point
1: <laughs> it's a little bit of a little bit of a goal analysis
2: went too much about the team other than i will say uh, obviously fossu mensa got his chance to come in for, for ward he's been in very good form of late particularly last week and um unfortunately i don't think he took his chance particularly well um i think he's got an awful lot to do um to to win that right back spot off of Joel Ward, um, which is funny because I wasn't thinking that way uh, a few weeks ago. It just goes to show just how how well Ward he's done of late. Um, just want to make a point on that in terms of the the selection. Um, don't think I'll go too much more into it, other than to say I still have my reservations about the four four two with Wolf alongside okay But I thought it was interesting to see that we got. Um, we got uh, Will on the ball wide a lot more this week. I was actually very pleased to see that the, the, the formation kind of shifted a little bit to allow that to happen at times when we were on the attack. Oh, go on, Dio, you want to jump in quick? Yeah, quickly. Um, yesterday's lineup, um, do we all agree
0: that that's our strongest lineup? Because it actually, I think, back line, apart from Wardy, because he's been in form, I wouldn't. Oh, wait. <laughs>
2: uh oh. <laughs> Someone the drop, isn't it? After a kebab, yeah. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a donkey sound. Anyways, <laughs> just leave it.
2: Yeah, um, is that our strongest
0: lineup? I think yeah. I personally think that's our strongest lineup, but it's not I'm not like the right sure. formation for me. But
2: yeah, it is
1: lineup
2: wise, yeah, I oh, disagree.
1: Eleven, yeah, yeah. How how comes, Patrick?
4: Um, I think honestly, I'm with Chris. I think that Wardwood should play right back, especially when he's been playing of late, and I think that Schlupp should be dropped. I think he has a serious problem going forward. If you watch him when he goes forward, guys, he never, ever tries to take on the, the attacking play. He'll always go sideways and backwards. He, he's OK defensively, but he's very, very... He's awful going forward. And I think, not Van Allen, I think Suarez eventually will be much better at left-back than Schlupp would be. So I think if you have uh, Suarez and Ward at left and right-back, that will be our best lineup.
2: Yeah, I know. I know the point. It just depends whether Suarez ever gets back to that. We'll see. No, I, yeah. Exactly. That's the biggest. Is he ever stuff. coming back? Yeah. yeah. But uh, let's just have a little quick, a little chat about the, the first goal because obviously it was a, you know, some lot of controversy around it. So, um, ball over the top. They were looking for that. I think quite a lot, particularly targeting uh, sako for a ball over the top, um, looking for him to either do one of his uh, strange turns and give the ball away or. You know, at least it, it seemed that particularly King was beating him for pace quite a lot. Um, but uh, it resulted in Zacco sliding in, and a lot of people disputing whether it was a corner, but it was it was a clear corner. From the corner, there's obviously a well-worked routine by Bournemouth, who end up drilling it across the box for what seemingly was an unmarked Jermaine Defoe. But, of course, it's Josh King who's got Schlupp uh, towards the back post. And actually, pretty much, arms around the waist, pulling him back to stop him matching Defoe's run and it's that's why they score you know very very very, very annoying the referee and, and I've got it actually paused in front of me on the TV right now is looking right at it but he's looking right at the ball come across he's not looking at the, the action um, so bear it in mind where he's, look, he's looking at the ball where there's no one around it that's a referee who's watching a game of football not watching what he should be watching How disappointing is that, Ed?
1: Oh, it's infuriating. And I mean, Kevin Friend should probably buy Christian Benteke a beer because (laughs) Benteke (laughs) has seriously brought the attention away from that. I won't swear again because Sam will get angry, but that (laughs) performance, shall we call it, from Kevin Friend yesterday was horrific. Like, not just a few key decisions, just the inconsistency from one foul to the next foul where it was a yellow card and then it wasn't a yellow card it was just infuriating to watch like I know refereeing is difficult and they don't get everything right we have the benefit of playing it in slow-mo rewinding it having another look at it from the different angles but at least be consistent in your decisions that's what grates me but in regards to the first goal yeah like you say he's he's watching the ball I think Charlie Daniel's feet and who has no one around him so there's, there's going to be nothing for there for him to make a decision about so he needs to be in a position where he can sort of see the ball out the corner of his eye and see what's happening in the well, that's that's where the ball's heading everyone that's
2: says it. that it's
1: a set and piece that's, that's where the action's happening yeah and, it's a... I mean, Sorry. It's, he's got two arms just all the way around jeffrey Schlupp's waist schlupp has got his arms in the air i imagine shouting out as well to try and make him aware of it <laughs> yeah and by the time he turns to actually look at it, the foe's already lining it up on the penalty spot to knock it in. But
2: Yeah, it's, just, it's absolutely infuriating. As, you, as you're as right, you've got a set piece. You are supposed to be looking at... The, the the danger area. You're supposed to be looking at the action. It's absolutely abysmal refereeing. And it's just, and it, it's just the nonchalant way he trots away afterwards. It's infuriating. You know, admittedly, a minute later, he actually intercepts the ball in the midfield and gives a nice little give-and-go to Wilf. But that's kind of just the endemic of, of, of the way he's playing. Uh, Patrick, you wanted to jump in on your views on this?
4: Yeah, first, Kevin is no friend of mine. That's the first thing I want to say. <laughs> I couldn't wait to say that. Additionally, he has no on field presence awareness of what's going on around him he's a, one of the worst premier league rangers of, of referees I've ever seen in my life he's horrible and um there's so many times Chris where you know referees will be looking at the tussling and they'll blow the whistle go over the players and start talking cuz king was doing that before you know the ball came in i don't know how he could have missed that it's really frustrating to think that a Premier League manager misses misses that and it costs us a goal. I mean he's he is such a just it's just a poor man a poor referee. And again, Ed's right, if it wasn't for Ben we'd only be talking about Kevin Friend all day today, which I hate. And my last thing i want to say is three letters. V A R.
2: Well, to happen, so <laughs> well exactly, well, we'll see it against Brighton. Won't Brighton, we? exactly. exactly. Um, and I dare you wanted to make a point on, on Andros Townsend, but um well no go cool. on, let's let's do that now.
0: Yeah, um, Andros Townsend um, for that actual corner, um, I don't know if you guys saw it on TV. Well, you should have. Um, uh, uh, or if you was at the game. When I, I when the corner taker, I, I can't remember he was taking it, but Andros was actually on the corner taker. So he was actually meant to be uh, marking in, but he went inside the box, and which was very disappointing because then they actually did the short kick and then Foster Messi was there by himself and they managed to cross it to the first so. I don't know if people saw that, but Andros, it was actually possibly Andros' mistake that the guy actually crossed in because that was Andros' uh, man.
2: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. But, you know, it's, I can get caught out by a short corner. It happens, right, every now and then. But you've still got an opportunity to defend that. And when you actually look at, you know, I totally get what you're saying, but I, there's, a, there's a whole lot that happens between... Between Townsend not being in the right position, to Defoe being able to tap that in, and for me the real problem is that we're actually we would have been able to defend it were it not for a foul. So for me that's the highlight, but it's a good point that you make. But let's move it on to uh, to our equaliser. Let's also acknowledge we had a couple of chances before then. Benteke on his left foot strike on target, which was well defended. Uh, Townsend got in on the box on the right hand side, tried to drill it across, it was blocked by Ake's face. Um, I think there was that goal mouth scramble, wasn't there? header from a corner. I think Benteke heads it down. Loftus-Cheek tries to sort of hook the ball over his shoulder. And it's almost, as it's cleared, it almost hits Sacco and goes in, but ends up looping over towards the back post. But that was an awful lot of pressure coming from Palace. And eventually that pressure paid when Zaha goes through into the penalty area from a long knock-up from uh, from Spironi, I think, and a little, little knock-on. So then um, he goes through after Benteke's head on. Push really strong keeps out Ake tries well Ake sort of just just lets him go in the end. And Zaha knocks it past uh, the keeper Begovic, and well, let's talk about it. then what happens because I know what what a lot of people are saying. A lot of people are saying dive Patrick.
4: I don't think it was a dive. I think that um I think that um Begovic's hand kind of clips Wolf Wolf's leg. I don't see um, anything with a with Father dive. And I've seen that people talk about, well, he'll get retrospective action. Like, yes, but I thought, again, I think that Bekovic kind of, with one of his hands, kind of clips Wolf on his ankle or his foot and brings him down.
2: And I completely agree. For me, it's a pretty clear foul. And there's an attempt at Ak- for Ak- from Ake to pull him down. First of all, Wolf's too strong for him. Um, I will concede that Wolf adopts the position to, to accept the foul before it happens. Do you know what I mean? He, yeah. uh, you know, he thinks, "Well, I've knocked the ball past him." There's, he he just he just sees the fact that Begovic has come out of goal and has got his hands grasping towards the ball, and he's not going to get there. Uh, and that's the, the truth of that that foul. And that's why I'm so frustrated that it's yet again being called a dive by <laughs> an abhorrent, creepy person. In a anyhow, uh, I just hate him. How he's just a creepy face. Um, Thunderbirds. Yeah, yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Thanks, Lucy, for that one, by the way. That's funny. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> but um, but there's contact. First of all, there's contact on Wilf, and second of all, if Begovic doesn't come out there and completely miss the ball, then it doesn't matter what Wilf does. It's not going to be a penalty, is it? So for me, clear penalty, and um, and I and I don't really see the argument any other way. A uh, quick view on that from you, Ed. Great.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think um. Ake is all over him. Will's almost sort of stumbling from the half trying to hold him off, half the sort of push and shoving, pushing and shoving he's getting from Ake. So he's sort of stumbling. And then I, there's an, because I, I looked at on at half time on like BBC and stuff, and there was Martin Keown saying, Oh, you'll get retrospective ban." That's a But he's he's pretty close to being fouled by Ake and he's stumbling towards him. And like you say, um, Bigovitch completely misses the ball, and uh, grabs one of sort of Will's feet in, instead, and that's the final bit of contact that he needs, which sends him over. Because if he stays on his feet, there's a question mark whether the balls were going to run too far for him. But I think if he stays on his feet, he still probably can catch it before it goes out of play and knock it in. So I think it is enough for a penalty for me. And uh, I think at that point it was, it felt it felt like rich
2: reward for. For in, a, in a game, we should have been three or four goals up in. I think we deserved that that penalty for for certain. I think we've been very, very unlucky up until that point. And, then of course, it gets better and better because although, although we've lost Sacco to injury, which is extremely frustrating and it looks like it might be a nasty one, we're still on the attack. We're still playing very well. Um, and it's uh, Sacco's Sako, replacement, Scott Dan, who gets gets up from a corner, sort of heads it down and the ball's bouncing around. And it's, it's that man, Benteco, who just gets that little bit of a calm head about him. Gets the ball on his feet, sort of tries to look for an angle, and ends up just delaying it enough and looking playing the absolute perfect pass to Kabai. Kabai drills it across and it's Scott Dan, who tucks it in at the far post with a great finish for a centre back. And DR, that must have been a fantastic moment, you know, to celebrate for you, right? <laughs> yeah, it was, but you know, you have to give credit to Kobay for that cross, because that was actually
0: very, very good. Um he just literally you couldn't have done it any better than that it was it's a position where it was the power was great the position was great and as Scott Dan does he you know what he does best is score against score goals one and another thing is score against Bournemouth he just loves scoring against them for some odd reason and he slots it in but I, all the credit I'm sorry all the credit has to go to Kouba because looking back now it's just this is crazy how did he it's the power and everything i'm sure for words
2: <laughs> <laughs> so i, I mean I, I agree it's a great ball for goodbye and you know i like how often he's popping up on that back post to cause a bit of havoc but uh it's great to see you know one of a number of palace players able to tuck it in yeah. there because that's what we weren't doing i think probably earlier in the season there just weren't enough bodies in the box to try and take advantage of those so we're gambling a little bit now which which we have to do and it's and it's two one, Patrick. It's great, isn't it? It's great. We're going to go in a half time two one up, and we deserved it, right?
4: Right. We we certainly yeah. did. And then then the yeah. foe pops up with the best and goal. Oh, I mean, oh. okay.
2: So what what'd you do? <laughs> what'd you do with that? So Scott Dan, you could you could say he's got to do something a bit more decisive there. at The absolute best you can say. But why do people keep doing these things against us?
4: I don't know. And again, I, it's hard to criticize. I mean, you could say Dan, you can't sprone. You, you can't. That's a, that's a great goal. You, you made a great point earlier. That's what the foe does. He just scores goals. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't run around. doesn't worry about. Perfect example of why he's worth every penny you pay him. Because you want him to score goals. That's what he wants to do. And it's a great goal. I mean, it was a terrible time, but it's so palace to give up a goal. Right before halftime, just what we do. So I mean, undeserved. We should have been up two and a half time. But when that happened, you kind of have a feeling, right? The rest of the match, we might not get another goal. Or
2: yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> I, I absolutely did. Uh, you know, you just knew that that first half was such a good game of football. It was it so
4: end
2: to end, open. It was, you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of niggly stuff in it, and you know, we weren't. You know, we we were complicit in that as well. We had a. Few, ye- fair few yellow cards. There was, uh, not all of them, were deserved, and there should have been a few more the other way as well. But I think uh, Eddie Howe's teams were just a little bit more sly than ours. We're a bit too obvious, but um, but it was a great game of football. But you just knew the second half would struggle to live up to that. But sorry, Ed, you wanted to jump in there?
1: Yeah, just on the Defoe second goal. I think, like you say, if you've been like super critical, maybe as soon as Dan realises Defoe's got the run on him inside should try and uh, before that ball bounces take it out but that's been very very critical but do you know what it reminds me a little bit of is Kasami
2: yeah for Fulham. the no. Fulham
1: goal exactly the same end Jules and goal obviously Kasami's was sort of edge of the box and hit with a fair bit more pace but the way it just agonisingly looped over <laughs> Spironi and people just keep scoring these goals against us don't they and Defoe's got something like 11 in 10 against us now it's- Sick of the sight of him,
2: yeah. Considering he very much could have been a palace player as well, it's, it's incredibly yeah, frustrating. I wish we had. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> and
4: Begovic, and Begovic, <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's
2: worth a second, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. Depressing <laughs> ourselves right at the end of the show, <laughs> and,
1: and and uh, Nias as well. We'd have another, <laughs> <laughs> we'd, we'd be mid table if we we'd be mid table if we bought all the people we were gonna. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Mainly because they wouldn't score against us. Yeah, sure
1: it wouldn't necessarily, necessarily be any good for us. But yeah, Even if we just bought them and left them on the bench, we'd be four points better off. Yeah, absolutely
2: right. But uh, but there we go. Obviously, we started the show by talking about the final major incident of the game, which was the... Again, it's a definite foul on Zaha for me. I think, that, like I say, Daniels gets the ball after he gets Wilfred Zaha, who's running at pace again, causing all sorts of havoc. Uh, but we don't convert it and it's a point and we're bottomed. So, you know, obviously we move on to Watford uh, really needing that game to be a win now because, you know, it's, it's, it's so tight down there. People are tense. People are struggling to keep their emotions in check. We just, you know, but we do have to also, as much as it's frustrating, let's look at the positives too. We're five games unbeaten, which is a huge turnaround for us. You think we started the season losing every game, you know, for seven games. I think it was uh, before we before we got that victory. And it's, you know, we're, we're a long way from that. We've got an awful long way to go as well. But, um, you know, I think we've got to stay positive. And uh, I'm sure, doctor you're going to reiterate that message because you interrupted me. <laughs> yeah, I'm just quick thing about Ben Seke. I know
0: there's been lots of negativity towards him. But realistically, as fans, if we're going to go against him, who have we got up front? Nobody. And apparently, I'm not too sure, but there's... I think there's rumors about him doing uh, giving away his wage for this week. I'm not too sure about that. But even if he doesn't, he's our only striker, and we have to get behind him because if we don't, uh, then what, who do we who do we expect to go up there and do a job? I know he's not doing a, that great of a job for some people, but in my eyes, I think he's doing all right, and we have to stick by him.
2: Yeah, yeah, of course we do. We, you know, as we said, we don't have an option. You know, I don't, I don't want to see our own players being booed. You know, I, I, I respect people have got a right to express themselves, particularly if they've paid the money and turned up at the ground and what have you. But realistically, you know, it's, it's not a panto. You know, we, we've got to do our bit as fans as well. Um, and, but also trust in the management and trust in the team to, to deal with these issues, deal with them in-house, deal with them the right way. Because let's face it, if we can we could turn the anger into positivity. We're going to have a whole lot of positivity because there's an incredible amount of anger right now. So look, you might not agree with what what we've said on the show today. You've got your own opinions as well. Loads of content are coming. Couldn't possibly cover it all. So, you know, but I I massively, massively respect the fact that you've all got your own valid opinions. And, um, you know, by all means, keep them coming in as well. Uh, but let's hope we can put this behind us on Tuesday night, and it will be a, a distant memory by the time we beat Leicester on the following Saturday. We're going up there, we dr. It'll be fun, innit? Road trip?
0: Yeah, <laughs> can't wait for it. It's gonna be really, it's gonna be fun. We'll try to do some uh, recordings as well up there.
2: We're gonna alternate songs, aren't we? We're gonna be my my trip, Mine are gonna be from Magic FM, and then you're gonna play me some some what? Uh, Magic FM. <laughs> Oh, Magic of <laughs> as well. Oh, there we go. Magical. <laughs> I mean, Magic of Magic go, event the whole way up. Good news.
0: Yeah. Go there in peace. Come back in peace. Listen to classical music. It's not. Don't get
2: me started. <laughs> let's not bring this argument on here.
0: <laughs> Listen to music, which um, which was in, which was created before I was even born.
2: Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. All the best music was created before you were born, mate. That's just a oh, fact.
0: Yeah, let's get into
2: this now. That's another extra content. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick he accused me he keeps saying I'm listening to Beethoven all the time oh, wait, such... I'm cutting you out there because people are going to actually think I'm an idiot it's a joke it's a joke <laughs> actually, No, you also, you also accuse me of listening to Shakespeare yeah,
0: it's you? a joke I'm just trying to <laughs> I'm just trying to elaborate you know how old
2: your songs are like what okay. you listening to oh Listen, mate, I'm going to change your world with my musical tastes on the way up there. You're going to be a different man by the time we get there. That sounds like a threat, doesn't it? I apologise. Let me take that back. (laughs) It does sound like a threat, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, thank you to uh, to Sam for producing. We got there in the end, didn't we, Sam? It was difficult. Spent an hour messing around with technical problems, but we've uh, managed to get it on air. We won't admit that it was Mikey who came along and fixed it in the end. We'll just claim that we did it. Uh, obviously, okay. thank you to Dr. to Ed and to Patrick for joining me today, and to all of you for listening. Don't forget, we have got our Podvent calendar every single day. We're up to day ten today. There is a little special interview for you, or interview, or a little game that we play. Uh, of all these we've got interviews with Darren Ambrose, Neil Shipley, uh, Gareth Davies, uh, loads of other people, Sasa Churchich, my brain's gone, but just oh, Peter Image, uh, uh more, just more, loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of amazing Palace people. But the most contact we've got is regarding our show we did where we played the game, Reverse Words and Talk Rubbish. <laughs> 20 minutes (laughs) people seem to massively enjoy that you'll be very pleased to know there'll be more of that kind of thing coming very shortly indeed so thank you again for listening do subscribe and download all of our podcasts up until Christmas Eve as well we'll be giving you those special ones on a daily basis and I can't wait for some of the ones to come there's some absolutely magical magical moments in some of those interviews I'm gonna say Clint Hill, you've got to listen to Clint Hill interview. It's it's just genius. He's such a such a man. Ah, oh, we talk about Sheffield Wednesday. You can obviously imagine what that conversation's like. And if you're if you've got a question, has he seen Bubs's uh, Palace Minute video where Nikki Carl rescues him on a kangaroo? Yes, he has seen that video.
4: <laughs> Brilliant.
2: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> till next week. See you later.